Thank you, Heather. Great to see everybody, kind of. Uh, if you're just joining us and uh, you don't uh, typically go to Sunridge, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I just want to know, like, where are you guys watching from? You know, this has been so different for us, but I would love to know, like, where are you watching from? What are you doing? Are you drinking coffee? Are you at home? I know that already this morning I've uh, texted with people that are listening in Texas and in Michigan, and I just recently learned that we had like 4,000 views last week, so uh, that's just super cool. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time joining us online, even if you're a Sunridger, just put that in the chat right now. It's like first time. If you've been here, you know, like all, all the weeks that we've been doing online services, then just say pro. Just put that in there. Uh, we're just so glad that you're here with us. And you know, uh, the past few weeks we've been talking about what's obvious, right? This disruption that uh, we've all been a part of. And I've t I have never seen anything like this. And I know that I've heard that uh, a lot from you guys as well, that we, we are experiencing a disruption that's unprecedented, uh, particularly, particularly in the church. And so We've, we've been saying that it's our turn to uh, live the new normal, and we've been trying to do that at Sunridge. You've been flexible with us and coming to church online. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how that um, this new normal, the disruption, uh, even in the midst of it, we have, we have a compass setting, right? Jesus is our true north, and with our eyes fixed on him, we are going to continue as Christians, to fulfill the mission that God has given us, which is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's in the Great Commission. And we're doing that here at Sunridge through uh, our vision, which is to deepen faith, bring hope, and live love. And, I, and I've just heard so many of your stories uh, this week um, of how you guys are doing that, how you're deepening your faith, you're growing, and yet you're bringing hope and living love to our world today. And then last week, we talked a little bit about how disruption is often a way that God makes changes in us. And we said that in the Bible, every person that you could ever list, all your Bible heroes, they all experienced disruption. And that disruption led to a new normal that wasn't just new, and it wasn't just good, it was amazing. And we're trusting God uh, to do the same thing for us in the middle of this uncertainty, uh, anxiety, all the things that we're facing, not just health fears, but uh, financial fears, and just, just trying to figure out how to do life and to do business and to do school and, of course, to do church. But today, what I want to talk about is this whole idea of that it, in our new normal, uh, this disruption is leading us to see that it's our turn to be the church in a new way. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, how, I mean, really, it, it starts with a question, how, how are we going to be the church in a time of social distancing? You know, the actual translation of church in your Bible is assembly or gathering. That's the first, uh, if, you're, if you're following with us in notes, that's kind of the first point in our notes. The, the actual word in the original la language is ecclesia, which means called out assembly. You remember that little saying, some of you probably did it in Sunday school, where we said, this is the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, see all the people. Not today, right? Not today. I don't see any people. So I have two questions for us today that I'm going to unpack and hopefully answer 
from the scripture. And they center around how, how are we going to do church? How are we going to be the church in a time of social distancing? During a time of social distancing and stay-at-home orders and public closures, I want to ask, like, how is the church going to be the church, number one, to the church? And then number two, uh, we're going to look at how is the church going to be the church to the world? So let's talk about question one. How is the church going to be the church to the church? You know, last week we talked about how important it is for us to be there for each other. But if church is a gathering, how can we be a gathering if we don't gather? And how are we going to be there for each other if we can't be there with each other? Right now, if you're, if you're one of the folks that is responding in our chats, why don't you just say, yeah, Britt, how about that? I have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just checking to see if you're still listening. I think the way to answer that question, how is the church going to be the church to the church? It's to look, first of all, at how the church gathered in uh, the, the first century. They gathered in houses. You know, the first gathering that the church has in Acts chapter 1 after uh, Jesus is executed and resurrected and ascends to heaven, was in a home. They gathered in an upper room, right? And they awaited uh, the Holy Spirit's arrival, but they were in a home. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Paul talks about how Aquila and Priscilla, at the close of his letter to the Corinthians, greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. Church was meeting in the home of this couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And in Colossians 4.15, a book that we were studying before this disruption, Paul wraps up by saying, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Paul references this woman who was obviously a leader in the church at that time, and she has a home, uh, she has a church in her home. But the church didn't just meet in homes. They also met in the temple courts, which were probably the only big spaces that Christians could gather for for religious gatherings. In Acts chapter 5, verse 42, uh, Luke tells us that day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And in Acts 2, 46, uh, it says that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the church was, in that very first century, was meeting in homes and often in the temple courts uh, when those were available to them. But what we see here in terms of like how the church gathered together is that the first century church gathered in any way possible. You know, there are frequent movements that have appeared over the centuries where churches, where Christian movements want to say, well, you know, let's, the church should meet in homes just like they did in the first century. And that becomes kind of a popular thing. But that that is really to miss the point. The church met in houses in the first century because that's all they had. They had no property. They had no buildings. They had no money. And today, we can't appreciate their situation fully, nor could they ever imagine what the church would look like today with our big campuses. You see, the first century church had little to nothing, 
But what they did have was a holy determination to be with each other. Just think about this. In the first century church, there's no cultural pattern that on Sunday morning you get up and you gather to worship. This is something that emerged over time. They didn't, they didn't have buildings. They had to scramble to figure out how were they going to gather together. And so they utilized houses and other spaces. You know, I, I wonder if this isn't a wake-up call for many of us, even for the introverts among us. Like, have you found yourself yet in week three of not getting together, kind of a longing to be with one another? I want to say how much I've missed you guys. I'm an extrovert, but I love seeing your faces on this campus. And I've loved being able to interact with you online, which is, which is not anywhere near the real thing and the authentic thing, but it's what we have right now. And I wonder if maybe this time where we cannot gather as we have typically done, I wonder if God isn't doing something in our hearts to appreciate the places that we can gather. And maybe we'll emerge from this with a renewed sense of urgency to be together. But I think not just how they gathered was important to understand how the church can be the church today, but it really, really comes down to why they gathered. Why were they so determined to get together? And when I say why, I don't, I don't mean what. I don't mean what they did. We know that they worshiped together, they prayed together, they, in, they spent time in instructing and studying the scriptures, they uh, uh, did communion together, but that's different than why they gathered. And why, as I've often said, is the most important question to ask because form always follows function. And if we can answer the why question, then maybe it will explain why, why they were determined, so determined, to gather in these different ways. And the writer of Hebrews, which is not known, their scholars have made uh, their best guesses, but the writer of Hebrews uh, gives us the most concise why. And if you're not familiar with your New Testament, tucked away kind of in the middle of the letters the Apostle Paul and others wrote is this letter called Hebrews, and it's written to first century church, uh, probably in Jerusalem, to Jewish Christians that have gathered together uh, after being converted. And the writer says this in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So we see here right away that, you know, these believers understood that they stood on their faith in Christ. That Jesus is the foundation. As Paul wrote, he is the cornerstone of the church. But then notice what he goes on to say in verse 24. And let us consider, as we stand on the foundation of Christ, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now I want, I want us to leave that passage up on the screen. And I imagine if you've been in church for a while, you've often heard this passage taught as, as an uh, admonition that you should go to church. 
But I think the most important thing that comes out of this couple of verses, these couple of verses, is the why they gathered together. Do you see the why? Look at this verse and see, do you see the why they gathered together? There should be some words that jump off the page at you right now. Say them out loud. Encourage. They gathered to encourage one another. In verse 24, he says that they came together so that they could spur one another on. Maybe your version of the Bible says to provoke each other, but they, they nudged each other. What? Not just to bug each other? No. They spurred one another on toward love and good deeds. Who doesn't need more of that? Who doesn't need more of encouragement, especially today? And who doesn't need an occasional nudge to continue to move toward loving others and to living out the life of Christ, the good deeds? But the, but the other question to ask about this why is, who is going to give us more of that? Who is it written to? You know, is, notice here that it's we. It's not gather together so that the pastor can encourage you, so that the pastor can spur you on toward love and good deeds. It's so, it says that we are to do that. You see, the first century church gathered to worship together, but also to encourage one another. Did you catch that? Of course, we gather together on Sunday morning or in our different meetings to worship Jesus Christ. Again, he is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is our compass setting. We fix our eyes on him. But when the church comes together, they come together to encourage each other. You know, you have to like go back to that time. The church is much more participative than the church is today. We kind of have a monologue, but you see in the writings, the writings of Paul in the early church that they would come together and Paul references in 1 Corinthians 14 that I see that you all come together with a prophecy or a prayer or, or a tongue. They were, they were participating together, and that looks different today. We have Sunday school classes, and we have ways in which we're all participating in some way. But the point here is that when they came together, it was a we proposition toward encouraging one another. You know, I think that that is a vastly different picture than what many Christians have in their mind as to what the church gathering is all about. It's far different than just going to church to hear a message, to hear great music. The message that in Hebrews here isn't just Christians should go to church. It is the why we go to church, which is to encourage others. Be honest. The last time that you gathered in your church, whether it was Sunridge or another one, or you went to a small group, or you went to a Bible study or some kind of a meeting, was, was the foremost thought in your mind when you went that you were going to encourage other people? Who were you thinking about when you went? What was your orientation? You know, I believe when you get this part, the why the church gathers, 
This is a game changer. This is totally will turn your perspective of what God is going to do when, when Christians gather together. It totally flips it upside down. And I think that this may be something that God is teaching us today as we look at the new normal. The new normal is the realization that we need each other. No, we really need each other. We need each other. You know, um, on my Amazon account, I have the ability to change my settings. The same on Facebook or Instagram. You set your own settings, right? I would suggest that if we want to be the church to the church, that Christians today are going to have to edit our church settings. We're going to have to edit them from get to give. You see, God hasn't called us just to sit and soak when we come together. And I know that many of you are giving your time, you're serving, you give financially, we appreciate your faithfulness during this crisis, you're studying scripture together, you're inspiring one another and encouraging each other so that we spur one another on for, toward love and good deeds. But how, couldn't we do better at that? How many of us, if we're honest, are gathering together and we're really just looking to get something? You know, what if we just, if nothing else, we prayed for each other? I don't know about you, but I feel a heightened sense of need of prayer. Uh, this week, I've prayed for someone, uh, I've been asked to pray for somebody who was being radiated for a brain tumor, uh, for someone who has bladder cancer, who also has uh, contracted the coronavirus now. I prayed for somebody that was going through a DUI trial and for someone whose uh, business was sinking in this crisis. Uh, a couple of weeks ago before um, this crisis hit, we had a group of ladies who have formed a prayer team and they came to us and said, you know, what if we could come and pray for the church? And they came to the last rehearsal that we had here on a Thursday night. And as our band and worship team rehearsed, these ladies were all around our building praying for us. And I think that it made a huge difference. See the perspective of what can I contribute to the church is a game changer for all of us. It might be time even for us to have a mass confession online before everybody in the world, right? Be honest right now. Has your orientation been to give or to get when you come to church? Obviously, we come to church to gain something, to grow, to be challenged, inspired. But really, has it been to give if you're responding in your chats right now, just, just be honest and lay it out there. Either say give or get. Confession is good for the soul. You know, I heard this from a Sunridge member recently. They said that Sunridge is the best church to get cancer in. What they were saying is that we've had members that have had cancer and they have experienced not just the, the health issues with that, 
but how a family is part of that, how it has a financial impact. And they have turned that into helping others. Their experience has enabled them to give to others. And you know, this week, just this week, I've heard from a restaurant owner who said, you know, if you hear of somebody who needs food, we'll hook them up with gift cards. I've had, we've had the business that does our payroll contact us and say, you know, we're fine right now. Uh, for the next month or so, we're not going to charge you for our services. We had a young couple that contacted Cindy and I this week and said, do you know of somebody who needs food or something? It's like, could we give them gift cards? See, this is an orientation that is about giving to the church and, and helping others. You know, to do that today, especially, it requires some creativity, right? And some challenges. Heather was just talking about Zoom. I mean, for some of you, Zooming has been so challenging. You're touching even the keyboard kind of like hesitantly, you know, can I do this? And yet you've, you've persevered. Some of you are doing drive-bys to your friends and family and like honking horns or singing songs. And some of you are just responding online and connecting through FaceTime or whatever. It's like, you know, we're not the first church, the first Christians to live through social distancing. Think about the Apostle Paul who was put in prison from the believers that he loved. He was separated from them and he had to sort it out. So he wrote letters that we have today. He said, I can't be with you, so I'll write you a letter. John, who has written uh, letters and also he wrote uh, his revelation. You know, he, he was inspired to write that revelation in a time of social distancing and isolation. He was banished uh, by the Roman Empire because anything that was uh, challenging to the Roman government was seen as subversive and they would often banish people to islands. And John was uh, banished to the island of Patmos, he tells us. And it was there he was inspired to write revelation. So even in his time of social distancing, he was still thinking about how he could contribute. See, to wrap this whole idea up, it is to say that we're not commanded to go to church in the Bible. We are called to be the church. We need each other more now than ever. And we have to decide, are we gonna be a church that gathers to give or to get? Now, the second question that I have is how's the church going to be the church to the world? What? Yeah, we're supposed to be the church to the world. As the body of Christ, we are Christ's representative. Paul wrote that we are the only Bible some people will read in 2 Corinthians 3, 2. He says, you yourselves are our letter known and read by everybody. We're the, we're the living scriptures to people. And Paul also said that oftentimes we are the only Jesus people will ever see. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, he writes, we are Christ's ambassadors and God is using us to speak to you. Write that word ambassadors in your chat right now. God is using us to speak to you. We urge you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Ambassador, you, you know what that means, right? that we are Christ's ambassador, we are his representative. We think of ambassador as uh, someone being a representative from one nation to another. 
But you, many of you are ambassadors in your own business world. You're, you're an ambassador when you go to a conference or an industry show and you represent your company at that show or conference. If you're a property manager with uh, lessees, you represent the owner of that property to the people that rent or lease space from you. When I was a fire chief, I was the fire department's ambassador, the representative for that, for our department with communities and cities and with the citizens of, of our county that we served. And today I'm an ambassador for Sunridge. And honestly, sometimes that, that really curbs my behavior. That and my wife, Cindy, often reminds me of uh, who I represent. And you know, each one of you are ambassadors, not just of Sunridge, but we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. You think about that. Think about today in this crisis, we are representing Christ. This current crisis gives us, as the church and as Christians, individuals, an opportunity to shine. In Ephesians 3.10, Paul writes that his intent was that now, think about that now in our situation, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. What should be made known today in this crisis? As the world looks at the church, what message will they receive? What is their impression of who Jesus Christ is? Because we are his ambassadors Paul breaks this down in such a beautiful way, again, in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter one, verse three, where he says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. You know, in this situation that we have right now, we're fearful for our health, for our, health, for our finances. Uh, we long and miss our families. Uh, some of us are getting cabin fever or just, you know, we have all these anxieties and things that are laid upon us. And yet as believers, we have the comfort of Jesus Christ, Paul writes. But notice what he goes on to say. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If you're, again, if you're following along in the chat, would you just type in so that? Because so that here is so pivotal. It says that one thing happens with a purpose for another. That God redeems our pain, that he brings us comfort so that we can bless others. In other words, we are his ambassador. Uh, one of the first series that I did um, when I became the pastor here at Sunrise was called Domino. And I talked about how God uses the experiences of our life. These things tip toward us. We have experiences, things that we've learned, input from people, things that God does in our life. And it's all for the purpose of us being able to tip our domino in our time, into our community, into our families, 
and to the relationships that we have. These are things that happen so that we can do something with them. Paul uh, continues to put flesh on the bones of this idea of so that. In verse 5 where he says, "For For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Paul is simply saying that God does something in me so that he can do something through me. And if we want to be the church to the world, we're going to have to become so that Christians. You get that? It seems like for many Christians today that we've erased these words, the so that. We enjoy all the wonderful things that God has given us. But isn't it true that often we forget the so that part? You know, I wanted to share a story with you that uh, you're going to be able to watch online of one of our members who said, you know, I have discretionary time and I have, I have a passion for something. And all of it spools up so that I could do something. So just take a look at uh, this uh, little clip that we pulled from Instagram this week. Hey Sunridge, I want to let you know that I went to Albertsons today and I was able to find everything on our list, this list for Community Mission of Hope, the Easter Meals Food Drive. And I want to let you know that it is going to be a delivery date still of March 29th at Community Mission of Hope instead of Sunridge. And we have the address right here for you. It's 41760 Rider Way. It's actually right around the corner from Sunridge. Uh, When you go down Winchester, you just make a right on Enterprise Circle and then a quick left on Rider Way. I don't know about you, but in these crazy times, I'm really excited to be able to give back Uh, to those in need. And I want to mention too, um, you can write out a check to Community Mission of Hope and put it in this envelope and just include it in your bag. So again, March 29th at Community Mission of Hope this Sunday. I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. You know what I love about that is that this is just a normal everyday person that's part of Sunridge, Jeannie Young. And she has taken on being... Uh, Our representative with an organization in this community, Community Mission of Hope, is helping uh, people that are struggling. And uh, by the way, you know, you can still drop off your food, uh, your Easter bags, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday from 1130 to 230 at Community Mission of Hope. We were going to bring them here to the campus, but can't do that anymore. And uh, they still need things like peanut butter and soup and chili, pasta, Pasta sauce, granola bars, cereal, and box side meals. These are, it's just one way that, that those of us who have, we have for a reason, so that we can help others who don't. I mean, why are we here? Why are we here, Christians? In Galatians 3.14, Paul says that he redeemed us in order that the blessing 
given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. When Paul says the blessing of Abraham, he's talking about the the capacity to be God's children. And the idea that what traditionally the, the people of the Jewish faith had as being the chosen people of God, Paul is saying that that Gentiles, the people that at that time they didn't think they could be part of the family of God, they too can. That blessing is given in order that other people may enjoy it. Doesn't in order that sound a lot like so that? That's our mission as Christians, as the church and the world. You know, I think that for too long, Too many of us as Christians have been living a socially distanced life from the world. And Paul in Ephesians 5, 2 said that our calling is to live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, the church is not a fortress. It's a hospital. The church isn't a place where we just all gather to hide. We retool and we inspire and we're, we're filled up and encouraged and spurred on to, to bring love and good works to the world, right? We're more like a hospital. We're here so that we can touch others. I'm going to ask uh, Jed and Levi to come up right now. And um, to close with a song or two. But I just want to remind you, Christians, that if we're going to be the church to one another or to the world, we, we have to become so that Christians. We have to ask, why has God not just saved us, but why has he placed us here in this time, in this age? And how does that translate into being ambassadors for Christ in the world today. And then we also, like when we gather together, we have to have a renewed and and fresh vision of of why we get together. We get together so that we can encourage one another. We have to change our settings from getting to give. This is how we can be the church in this new normal to one another and to the world. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask Jed and Levi uh, to share a couple of songs with us. Thank you for dropping in. Uh, Wherever you are right now, will you just join me in praying?